0: Many people get excited about different things when it comes to Easter, and I'm sure the children, you're very excited about the Easter eggs, right? How many of the adults are very excited about the Easter eggs? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. You know, the, the church took the egg and adopted it as a symbol for this time of year of kind of as an example of the tomb, you know, and and that the egg they would paint east well they would paint normal eggs before they invented other nice tasting ones, and then they would show that this was like the tomb that Jesus was holed up in, and then on the Sunday they would crack it open and bring forth that yolk, and that's no yolk that's really true, and uh, and so it's a very exciting uh, exciting reminder. Of what Jesus did. So when you, when you eat your Easter eggs, remember what they represent. You know what an egg's worst day of the week is, right? Everyone knows this. Fry day. <laughs> and we all know today is Friday, so please be sensitive to your eggs. Right. Thank you. Just want to egg you on... <laughs> I can't tell too many yolks today, because if you have eggs with you, we might just crack them up, and then that would be messy, so. Lord Jesus, deliver us from these bad jokes. Holy Spirit, would you fill this place? Thank you for the presence we felt in worship. Thank you that as we stand before you now, that you are just the risen, glorious King beyond anything that the disciples ever saw in their life with you, so much so that when John saw you, he fell on his face like a dead man. We want to see you like that. Lord Jesus, today as as we share, I pray that you would give us a fresh reminder of what you did for us, that we would not take it for granted. Lord, I I acknowledge I take it for granted, and, and today we want to remember and say thank you, thank you again bless this time together, bless every person here, cause this to be such a great weekend with family and friends that we would see a breakthrough in our lives as we remember and celebrate you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I think the average Christian doesn't fully comprehend everything that Jesus did on the cross. The cross was the greatest rescue operation of mankind that you could ever imagine. Nothing comes close. And a lot of people, particularly who weren't raised in Christianity, and we've got a mix of people here today. Some of you maybe have been Christians for a very long time. You've heard many Easter messages. Some of you may be new believers, and this is all new to you. But you know, a lot of people actually, why the cross? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Why did mankind need to be rescued? And I'm pretty sure most of you here quite understand that. And if you were here last Sunday, Pastor Darling shared the most amazing message that lays a foundation for answering some of that question, which she shared on where evil comes from, the source of evil. God did not create evil. God created a perfect world. Adam and Eve were perfect. There was no evil in Adam and Eve. They were 100% righteous. No sin in their lives, which meant they could live forever, right? And there was the tree of life that they could eat of any time they liked, and they would live forever. They would never die. And then there was another tree in the garden. Everyone remember that, the tree of good and evil, right? And so the tree of good and evil, the serpent, remember that evil was first found in Satan, when he said, I shall ascend and become a God for myself. What did he say to Adam and Eve? If you eat of that tree, you will become like God. So the root of evil starts with us saying, I don't need God. Would you, would you agree? The root of evil is when man says, I'm going to do it myself without God. And so what ends up, in is that Adam and Eve listen to the serpent. They take of that tree. They eat of that fruit and sin and death enter the world. God didn't create it. They brought it in. And from that day onwards, mankind could no longer live forever. Right at that point, God steps in and he looks at that serpent and he curses the serpent. And he says to that serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring, you will bruise his heel, bump, ain't I? But he will crush your head. That was the first prophecy about why the cross. God was prophesying right then that Satan would come, and if the cross, which was so Beyond anything we could imagine in terms of the torture, the agony that Jesus went through, he says that's like a bruising of the heel compared to what the cross did to Satan. He destroyed sin and death on the cross. He destroyed the authority that the enemy had. The enemy had no authority. God gave authority to Adam and Eve, and he said, you guys take dominion. You rule and reign. You're going to set creation right. You're going to take over the earth, and you, in partnership with me, in a loving relationship with me, are going to make the earth great, just like the kingdom of heaven is going to be on earth. And when man fell, God's desire still remains the same. He still wants mankind to release that on the earth. And he set in place a rescue operation that would not just rescue man from sin and death, but restore that mandate. Isn't that exciting? Now, I don't have time to go into everything on the cross. I, it would take too long. So today, in the time left to us, I want to quickly touch on four memorable R's relating to the redeeming work of the cross. Are you ready? for those R's. Just say, I are ready. Okay, good. There you go. The first thing the cross did is it paid the price so that you and I can be redeemed. Now, for a lot of Christians, we know that word. A lot of other people are, well, what does redeemed mean? When you associate this word redemption with slavery, redemption was the price that you would pay to redeem a slave from slavery and buy back their freedom. That was called the redemption price. So the first thing we must understand is when Jesus redeemed us, it's because we were in slavery to sin and death. We weren't just in sin and death. The Bible talks about the fact that we were slaves. We were not just slaves to sin and death. We were not just slaves to sin. We were slaves to the flesh the Bible says, and the fleshly desires. How many of you, before you became a Christian, before Jesus came in, changed your heart, filled you with his Holy Spirit, how many of you remember that you knew what was right before then, but you were unable to do it? In fact, Paul's writings are all about telling Christians the law was powerless. You can know what's right, but unless the Holy Spirit is enabling you, you can never do it because we were slaves to sin. I was enslaved. I wasn't just, oh, you know, maybe if I just try and get my act together, there's nothing you could do to make yourself right before God. So when we talk about redemption from slavery, we must go back to what this weekend remembers and celebrates. This weekend, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus fulfilled the very first thing that God told the children of Israel they would have to remember every year, thousands of years before over 2,000 years ago. How's the maths going? Okay, thousands, thousands, thousands. And he instituted what is called Passover. Easter is the fulfillment of Passover. Passover. Throughout the world today, we are celebrating Passover. That feast has been celebrated right from the time God said, remember this feast every year. This shall be a command to you and your children, your children's children. And right across the world, Passover has been celebrated. And I don't have time to go into a whole lot on Passover, but we must remember what Passover was because it really was a type and a shadow of what Jesus did on the cross. So God allowed the children of Israel to go into slavery. And in slavery, he sends Moses, which we would see as kind of a representation of Christ, kind of representing Jesus, fulfilling this. That Moses says to Pharaoh, who kind of represents that stinking snake, let my people go. Pharaoh says, I won't let them go. And we all know what happens, all the plagues, etc., But the last thing that takes place is he says, I will kill all your firstborn sons. And the the angel of death comes and he would have wiped out even the firstborn sons of Israel. But God says, so this is what Israel must do so that your sons don't die. You take a lamb, a spotless lamb, and you kill that lamb and you take the blood of that lamb and you sprinkle and and paint it on the doorposts of your houses. And as they are painting the blood on the doorpost of their houses, the Bible says that the angel of death came and saw the blood of the lamb and death passed over them so that they lived. Because of the blood of the lamb, death passes over them. And then as they are leaving Egypt, they are taken out of slavery and brought into a whole new kingdom. they taken out of darkness, brought into the promised land that God gives them. And looking back, and we see what Jesus did, we see that Jesus actually fulfilled what they would remember at Passover. There's so much that is in this Passover meal, but when Jesus sat and had the Last Supper with his disciples, he took the bread. And this bread for the Passover meal, it was unleavened bread, but you know, Jesus has redeemed everything. And he would break the bread, and he said, This is now a new covenant. You've been used to the old covenant. You've been used to celebrating Passover the old way. This is now the new covenant. And under the new covenant, this body, this represents my body, which is about to be broken for you. And every time you eat of this again, instead of remembering Passover, I want you to remember what I am going to do for you on the cross. So we don't go back and remember what God did for Israel in Egypt When we partake of the bread and the cup, he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood shed for you. And so, a covenant has to be made with blood. Jesus' blood brought a whole new covenant. We don't remember the old covenant. We remember the new covenant, which says, I couldn't do it. Jesus did it all for me. And Colossians gives us this scripture. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Not because of anything you did. How many of you have tried to be good? Okay, so for those two people, I have tried. Most of you is like a trick question. I'm going to be no. I'm going to raise my hand. It's not a trick question. He redeemed us, and when we see them coming out of slavery, when you come to Jesus, when you embrace the cross, something happens that completely transforms you such that you are redeemed from slavery to sin, slavery to the flesh, and you become a slave to righteousness. You are suddenly able to do all the things that He's called you to do. And so that was the understanding that Jesus became the Passover lamb for us. If you embrace the blood that he shed on the cross, and if his blood is on the doorposts of your heart, then death will pass over you in the second death. We're all going to die this side of heaven because this body, I don't want this one. I want one that walks through walls. So there's not this death. Everyone's going to die this side. But there's a second death that we get delivered from because of the lamb of Passover. And so at the exact same time that that Passover lamb was being brought into Jerusalem, from Bethlehem, only lambs born in Bethlehem were allowed to be Passover lambs. Where was Jesus born? As they brought that Passover lamb, the exact route that that lamb was brought into Jerusalem was the exact route Jesus came on that donkey the exact route that they took with that lamb. Then they would take the lamb and they put the lamb in front of the temple and they bound it for all to see at the exact hour that Jesus was being bound on the cross. And when Jesus was on the cross at the exact hour, the third hour in the afternoon, he cried out, it is finished, and gave up his spirit. At that exact hour, The lamb that was sitting in front of the temple was slaughtered by the high priest, and he shouted, it is finished. The Greek word, tetelestai. The same words being used. Jesus was not just saying, I'm going to the cross for you. He was saying, I am the fulfillment of Passover. And if we embrace what he did for us, death passes over us. And that allows us to be Reborn. Carol taught on this last week. I'm not going to go into it in a lot of, uh, you know, people kind of joke about born again Christians and you're born again. When Nicodemus came to Jesus and starts asking him questions about the kingdom, what does Jesus say? (laughs) He says to Nicodemus, you know, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you get born again. And Carol shared on this really well last week. But I want to touch on the scripture she shared. What does being reborn mean? It means... If anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Amen? The old has passed away, the new has come. Jesus kind of shared like this. Unless a seed dies and falls to the ground, it cannot become a wonderful tree. So many people are just these little seeds trying to live life. When you can be an amazing tree. And the message of the gospel is not go and get a polish. The message of the gospel, the message of the cross is not try and be good, try and do better. The message of the cross is die to your old self and then live for Jesus. Amen. And so being reborn means I die to my old self. And when I do that, the Bible says I become righteous just like him. Isn't that incredible? I become righteous, not because I never do anything wrong anymore, but it says that when God sees me, He sees me with the blood of Jesus on me, and He sees me as righteous as Jesus, and He says, I see you wearing robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. So when I stand before God, no matter what I've been doing, because I'm in Jesus, He doesn't look at me and go, oh, you've blown it today. He goes, He looks at me and He says, I see you righteous. Come here, son. Come here, daughter. And so when we come before Jesus righteous, we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to feel like, oh, God, you know, I'm not doing it right. And, you know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, For our sake He made Him who... Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we become the righteousness of God. It's not about you and your works making you righteous. It's about whether you're in Him or not. Are you in Jesus? If Jesus is in you, you're in Jesus. And when we hide in Jesus, that's all God sees. Isn't that incredible? Titus says it this way. I'm just going to read this quickly and then we'll close with the last point. Titus 3, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he gave through Jesus Christ our Savior. Isn't that great? So that having been justified by his grace, we inherit eternal life. What does justified mean? Here's how I put it. And children, you can all say this. Say this with me. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned so in other words when God sees you it's just as if you'd never sinned that's what Jesus did for you so that we can receive his Holy Spirit now this is powerful because when Jesus said to Telestai and gave up his spirit it is finished The work is done. The debt's been paid. When he cried that on the cross, what happened to the temple curtain? That thick temple curtain was ripped from top to bottom, split open. And God said, no longer will the temple be where my presence is holed up. You now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is huge. We've taught on this before, but the truth is that us carrying the Holy Spirit as temples of the Holy Spirit means that we have the exact same power in us that Jesus had in him. Jesus didn't come to earth as God, doing miraculous things because he was God. It says in Philippians 2, he gave up his godness and became a man like you and me. And the only way he did the works he did was because of the Holy Spirit in him. And that's why it says, if the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body and you can do the exact same things. Isn't that powerful? So when we look at the Holy Spirit living in us, it's not just to make me born again, but he said, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to give you the power to do what? To go and take dominion again. Go bring his will and way. And then Galatians 5, he talks about the fact that, and now we are meant to be led by the Spirit. And if we're led by the Spirit, we no longer give into the flesh. Amen. What do you think of the four R's? Hey, Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the work that you did through Jesus on the earth when he was here. But we thank you more that right now you live inside of us and we can do the exact same works. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the lamb who was slain and that if your blood is embraced by us, your work on the cross is embraced by us, that we inherit eternal life again. And if you're here today and you have not received the work that Jesus did on the cross, if you had to die today and you're not sure that you would have eternal life, don't leave this place without making right with Him. And if you're here right now, Holy Spirit, would you just fall in this place right now? If there is anyone here that has not accepted the work of the cross and you want me to pray for you, I want to ask you, would you lift up your hand and I want to pray with you? Anyone here this morning? Then, Lord, I bless every person here, every family represented. I ask, Lord, that as we go into this weekend, remembering what you've done, that it would be a time of your anointing being present in our families. We ask that you'd reveal yourself to us more and show us what you've done, that we would not take any of it for granted. I pray that the presence and power of your Holy Spirit would be alive and at work in each one here that we go knowing it's not because of anything we've done, but you've done it, Jesus. And we go celebrating the fact that we are righteous in you and that we can come boldly before you and live with the same power and presence that Jesus did to this world. In Jesus' name. Everyone said.
1: I just, I also want to pray, if there's anyone here and you feel, you know, as, as Andrew's been talking through all these hours, but just even as you've been contemplating the cross, there's an area of your life that you know you just need breakthrough in. It might be in relationship. It might just be in your personal, uh, just your personal emotional world. You know, you just, you, you, keep on, you keep on stumbling over the same thing or you keep on feeling some negative emotions in a certain area. It might be an area where you You know that you need a breakthrough in your work or you need a breakthrough in your family or you need a breakthrough in your finances. I feel like the cross was all about breakthrough. I feel like the cross was all about destroying those things that keep us mired in the same old, same old. And I feel like God wants to come now and just break through in that area for you. It might be an area of health in your life that you just know you it needs to be different. And it's almost like I, I feel like God wants us to bring that to the cross. I feel like He wants us to, to bring that and place it before Him and ask Him for a change and say, God, I'm submitting this to the powerful victory that you won on the cross. Father, so... So if that's you, won't you just pray with me in your heart? Lord, I just bring every need before the, of the people before you right now. Lord God, there, there are some people that they've been battling endlessly in this area. And they're weary and they're tired, Lord, and they need a breakthrough. There are others, Lord God, that they just, they just know that something has to change in their lives. And Lord God, I ask right now that you bring about that change, Lord. Holy Spirit, we bring these things before the cross. Lord God, we lay them at your feet. We, we declare, Lord God, that the cross was enough. Your victory was enough. Not only for our salvation, but also for the, the continued sanctification, the continued life and blessing of our everyday lives. And Lord God, we, we bring those before you and we ask, change this, Lord invade it. Bring about your kingdom truth in this area, Lord God. I speak to those those barriers of financial lack and I say you must fall now in Jesus' name. I speak to those barriers of relational disconnect and I say you must fall right now in Jesus' name. I speak to those barriers of emotional pain and I say you must go right now. I speak to those barriers of just mental anguish and I say you must go now in Jesus' name. I speak to those barriers of physical infirmity in people's bodies right now. And I say, you must go now in Jesus' name. Jesus won the victory. Jesus won the victory. Jesus won the victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand?